Welcome to episode 65 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up? And we brought back the wrestling man himself, Connor Casey. And unfortunately today, uh, we are pigeonholing you once again because we brought you back to talk about <laughs> some wrestling because... WWE's Clash of Champions is going down this weekend, and so we're going to give you guys our preview, as we always do, of big WWE events. So Matt and Connor are going to take you through what to expect for that, but we also got a whole show to do, and in today's news flash, we got a lot to uh, both celebrate and talk about. We're going to talk about the new trailer for the Are You Afraid of the Dark Nickelodeon revival series. We are going to talk about the return of Black Jesus and also the TV show about him that's coming back. We will also be talking about the release date of Netflix's The Witcher, which may have now leaked, and we have the next installment of our grenade. <laughs> I forgot what the word I was going to say. Uh, segment, yes, grenade segment that we will uh, be getting into today because I didn't feel like the first one was violent enough, <laughs> so we are going to keep going with that. It's and a very quick fan favorite. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah people love grenade. It's a fun game. And we will once again be digging into the mind-bending X-Men relaunch with Powers of X number four. So be sure to stay tuned because when we get back, we are getting into a bunch of news in our news flash that you don't want to miss. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so starting right at the top, uh, I threw this one. I mean, you know, it's good to host a show sometimes because you can use it for purely selfish <laughs> gains. And I got a big surprise today that made me happy when I saw that uh, Black Jesus is returning to Adult Swim. And not just returning, but like returning real soon. It's coming back on September 20th. Uh, this is Aaron Magruder's satirical show uh, that imagines a guy who is essentially says he's Jesus, who exists in modern day Compton, California, um, and trying to bring like good faith and and stuff and tidings to the people of the of Compton, and of course it it goes hilariously sideways uh, in some really great ways. But um, it's from Aaron Magruder, the creator of the Boondocks, and this is kind of like he's having a good comeback on Adult Swim. Yeah, for real. Boondocks is coming back and is already you know headed in production. Black Jesus is coming back after being off the air for four years and. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a cult favorite show, but, like, really funny, aside from the controversial premise, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the kind of... And it launched some good careers, like uh, inter, or Instagram sensation King Bach was, got his start, really, on that show. Um, it's going to be sad because Charlie Murphy was a big part of that show, and now he's mm -hmm. passed away. But uh, Slink Johnson really became famous because of that, and he plays a tight, 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 huh, 
<sighs> Tight, you'll, oh my god. He plays Black Jesus, all right? So there you go. <laughs> I can't say that word. The word right you now. were looking for was titular. Titular. Ooh, I should have said it that. Ah, oh, man. Anyway. And so, it got weird. I do like <laughs> just, like, whenever they make announcements like this, it, it is like a, oh, by the way, you're going to get this in like three yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, really and good. And that was just like a total surprise. And it was just like, I thought the show was done for good, but... Um, yeah, I have fond memories of not just the show, but like what was going on at the times I was watching this show. So I'm really happy about that. They say so, why it took so long for it to come. Like, was it just uh, he decided not to do it for a while, or was I it? think yeah, I think there were behind the th scenes things. Like they were going to, and then they didn't. Some of it might have been made before and not released. Oh, okay. Like there's a whole. I mean, everything kind of got muddled with Magruder somewhere in the mid 2010s uh, with the Boondocks, this show, everything. So like. Um, I guess it's getting straightened out now, or he needs money, or it's just the right climate for it to come back. Yeah, so, look, either way, trailer looks super funny. Oh, yeah. The trailer looks super funny. The end with him, like, if you watch the trailer, it's great. <laughs> the ending scene with, like, oh, Jesus, it's your birthday. And he's, like, doing, like, he's doing, like, all kinds of crazy dances on a swimming pool on the top of a swimming pool. And it's just, like, yeah. So, oh, yeah. it's a good, it's a good thing, even if you're, like, heavily face based. This is a really fun show. You should check it out. Oh, all right. So, moving right along. We're going to talk about the trailer that dropped in the middle of the night, Are You Afraid of the Dark? The uh, Nickelodeon series that we all grew up with. I, I mean, most of, I assume most of us. Oh, I yeah. know Matt did. Connor, I assume you did. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Um, yeah. Nice. And we just wanted to kind of touch on this one because we've talked several times about the idea of young adult horror and how this used to be a thing when we grew up and was very common. And we talked about it with uh, Scary Stories to Tell mm -hmm. in the Dark. Um, but then it kind of went away. And after you know our generation and it became this thing like almost like taboo new generations mm -hmm. of kids weren't supposed to be scared at all yeah uh it violates their safe space and stuff but uh we're now having this revival that began a couple years ago with like the goosebumps movie coming back mm -hmm. and we got our you know scary stories to tell you dark which is based on one of the most famous kids horror book series and now we have are you afraid of the dark coming back and what i will say is we had teasers up into this trailer's debut and now we've seen this, and I will say that I'm liking this. I like what I see about it. It kind of captures the feeling of the original mm -hmm. very much with the whole ceremony around the fire, and I submit yeah. for the Midnight Society, and then it'll be anthology stories, which I love. This one looks like it could be, in some parts, a little bit too scary <laughs> for kids. Yeah. That was, like, that was my thing, is I still can't tell, even after the full trailer, how scary is this really going to be? Exactly. Yeah. Like, there are shots of zombies and creepy well, people. Yeah, that's the shot that really so, got but me. But to yeah. me, but like, it, it's, it's almost like, have any did any of you guys see A House with the Clock and Its Walls? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, like, that's a movie that is a one of the, like scary movies. I also thought kids, that was a little too scary. But the trailers yeah. looked a bit like it was going to be a bit much. And so I say, if this falls into that vein... I think it has a chance of being really good. Well, yeah. I think it'll be a hit. Like, yeah. I, I mean, let me just put that out there. I think this is a smart property to, be, to bring back. Mm -hmm. I think it will be a hit. I think it'd be great for people like myself to sit down with their kids on like a Friday night or mm -hmm. whatever and, and check this out and see. Um, and it's a good way to kind of bridge parents who love horror with mm -hmm. stuff that they can do with their kids. And I think yep. that's... I think it is going to be a success because I think this is badly needed in the market. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just getting ready for the inevitable <laughs> backlash conversation. But this is like everything like I wanted. Like House on the Clock on the Walls is, I loved it. But it was what I wanted Goosebumps to yes. be. Yeah. It was everything I wanted. Like it was scary. It was it's actually a, a little too scary at harder, times. It's a harder edged 
yeah. goosebumps, but walks the line beautifully. Per, yeah. And this looks like it has the same type of vein. It's going to push a little, and you're going to get kids probably freaked out at a couple spots, but it's not enough. And the original like, freaked us out. Yeah. Like a freaking clown yeah. episode. Yeah. I still clown, remember that. The Phantom Cab episode. Yeah. Like, there are several ones that are like. Burned in my brains. I believe there's one about washing behind your ears that freaked me out or something <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, there's, there's, Are You Afraid of the Dark was. It's got a good little yeah. cast, too, including uh, the uh, it actor. Yeah, the guy who plays Young Ben. ben. Yeah, is yeah. in this. I was like, um, Young Ben! I also think it's kind of smart the way they're doing it, where it's like this three kind of part, like three episode thing to kind of try out and see how it goes. And then maybe they'll do like another set of books, adopt another, because this one's Carnival of doom yeah i don't know if it's just this the first episode or if that's like the whole first like three episode arc i don't know whether they're gonna do that like make it a longer story or not but i think it's really smart to do it in these little chunks yeah and make a little big make a big event of it and then like go away don't get the try it out and you can always yeah. switch out the cast too if you need to because that allows you flexibility so I yeah think the kid, that kid is gonna start asking you for some money get him <laughs> out quick he's gonna be like yeah but um yeah so I say all that to say is because we check in with horror regularly. I'm kind of excited for this. I'm excited to see this come back. I'm excited to see Creep Show come back. Okay. Like I'm, I'm liking how they're kind of integrating horror into it's back. It's the time into of year. It. Yeah, and it is the time of year. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, something that isn't going to fit in this time of year, but probably could. The release date for Netflix's The Witcher has apparently leaked. Uh, Netflix, I think Netflix blew their own spot on this one. They were doing like a, they did a post about the countdown to certain shows arriving, thinking like America's this bad at math now, like nobody will figure this out. But of course, like I mean, well, it wasn't even the American account. I know. It was uh, what was it? The Netherlands? Netherlands? Like the oh, Netherlands? Yeah, like out in the Netherlands? Somewhere. Yeah, and then they come on, <laughs> get out of those coffee shops. You guys are just blowing the whole spot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they kind of put down a countdown, and people were like, easy math, and they just did the math. And based on this chart, which is unofficial, it seems like. We're going to get The Witcher on December 17th, a.k.a. right in time for Christmas. Yeah. I believe. I believe that that would be an official date. Because um, I'm trying to, I was trying to think, like, barring any, I don't think Netflix has, like, a big blockbuster movie loaded up for the holiday no, they, season. But they tend to, if they do, I don't think we'll know about it. Until we'll probably closer. learn about it either this month. that's when, or, like, they do those Christmas, like, they did Christmas we'll, Chronicles. We'll get a, we'll get a Kurt do, Russell Christmas. But yes. we got Bert Wright. That was in Bird Box. Yeah. And, but I'm talking about, like, I'm more, like, thinking, like, Bright. Like, oh, yeah. They're big block, like, the last couple of years they've done blockbuster, like, movie they did Bird Box last yeah. year, then they did Bright like the year before. And I don't know if we have anything, but like Jim said, we might not know. But this would be a series or an event that would carry people through the Christmas holiday yeah. of binge watching. And a bunch of people are going to be homes. home, right? Holiday yeah. season, perfect time to launch a new yeah, This show. is like right when everybody's getting home from college yeah. and like pulling in. They're like, ah, I'm at my parents' house. What the hell do I have to do? Fire need, up the Witcher. Need bingeable go. stuff. So, and unlike Bright, this actually looks good. Oh, stop. Oh, whoa. Stop. We're not, whoa. we can't I'm have sure unscheduled grenades. That was pre-grenade. That was a pre-grenade. Like, yeah. That's not a grenade. People don't like I that I haven't movie. actually seen Bright, so I cannot wait into this. You yes. got yeah, go on. You need, you need to go. I, see Bright. I mean, you were like one of the key people I would like to see weigh in on Bright because it was a big fight in this office when that movie came. I remember because I was not a fight. I love. <laughs> I was one of the few fights. I love. I liked it. But um, yeah, The Witcher. So it's coming out, and I'm still on the fence about this one. Uh, but I wasn't heavily involved in the in the property before this, the books or the games. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm kind of like. Eh. But I, the first trailer didn't grab me. I think Henry Cavill still kind of looks weird in this role. 
Um, but, you know, I will be there and I will be binging it. So bring on December. And that's what Netflix cares about. Right? Yep, I guess that's true. They don't care about my feelings afterwards. So be on the lookout. Witcher coming presumably in December, which means we should be getting more promo materials for this. New York Comic Con's right New around York the Comic corner. Comic Con, yeah, and thereafter will be like the big push. Yeah, I expect to see Cavill's face on some big ass billboard in New York somewhere. I was amazed that on the uh, Netflix panel lineup was not a Witcher panel. Yeah, that surprised me. I was like, okay, well, I don't know <laughs> if you're gonna make a splash. I don't know where you do it, kind of between now and then, as far as like conventions go. But anyway, we'll see. So moving right along, Stephen King's The Stand miniseries. Uh, we talked about this when the big casting was first. Announced uh, James Marston and uh, Amber Heard were cast in the CBS All Access miniseries, which if you aren't excited for that, if you're excited for that, make sure you go out and get CBS All Access so you can access all of this stand content. So, moving right along, we now have two big castings for the stand that we got this week. Uh, the two rival leaders of these rival societies that are set up in this post-apocalyptic world one is Mother Abigail, the kind of benevolent uh, woman who sets up a kind of society in Colorado. And the other is, of course, Randall Flagg, the reoccurring Stephen King villain who sets up this kind of dark and murderous, destructive society of marauders out in Las Vegas. And these are the two societies that kind of go to war in this stand. So Stephen King came on The View, of all places, uh, <laughs> to kind of drop some more... Uh, casting announcements for The Stand, and he did, and they were just kind of like, you know, peripheral characters or side characters. But he also had one big surprise because he was on The View, not coincidentally because Whoopi Goldberg is going to be playing uh, Mother Whoopi. Abigail. So Whoopi Goldberg will be Mother Abigail in uh, The Stand miniseries. And that's exciting for longtime fans, but uh, I think, that, of course, the even bigger news came after Stephen King was on The View and dug up, you know, revealed this Whoopi Goldberg thing. Uh, Collider went digging to see who would be playing Randall Flagg because he's the big villain of this piece and nobody had said a word about it. And according to their sources they dug into, Alexander Skarsgård will be playing Randall Flagg in The Stand. And Alexander Skarsgård's a longtime fan favorite. He was in True Blood. Um, he was in Big Little Lies, a bunch of other movies in between, like Tarzan, if you remember that. Uh, remember him and Margot Robbie made a Tarzan movie? Yeah. Wow. This feels like... Those Skarsgårds love their Stephen King. They do. Yeah. So Bill Skarsgård... worked out Jim's for Bill. Bill Skarsgård <laughs> is uh, Pennywise in the It movies, and now... He's also in brother. Castle Rock. Yeah, he's in Castle Rock as the weird money, guy. Dude. And uh, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård will now be Randall Flagg. And that's a pretty big... And that's, that's awesome casting. Yeah. Like, I really do like that. Um, if you don't know, Randall Flagg's this demonic figure... He changes and has aliases, and sometimes Stephen King doesn't always refer to him directly, but he's in several books. He's in, like, Hearts of Atlantis, The Dragon Eyes, um, The Dark Tower. He's not the man in black, though, or is he the man in black? No, he's not the man in black. Okay. He's the guy in The Dark Tower that, I think in the opening of the book, that Roland is chasing down, mm -hmm. um, and he's trying to flee, and he's like a sorcerer or something. Uh, but he's a demonic figure that represents evil, okay? And there you go. And in The Stand, he has weird powers of, like, prophecy and magic and stuff like that uh and i think skarsgård who was excellent playing like uh that vampire character in true blood who was you know danced around the line of being a villain or a good guy and things like that uh he's really good at kind of balancing that he had a similar role in big little lies and so he's good about kind of looking friendly or even like handsome and stuff but also being very 
creepy and menacing. So perfect. I'm kind of thinking that's going to be perfect casting. And I'm liking this stand miniseries more that I hear it. Uh, like I've said, the 90s one was a big deal event when, I, when it came on. So I'm kind of liking how this one is shaping up so far. How about you guys? I mean, I'm ready for it. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. I, the more I hear about this, like not even the casting, just like the more I hear about like the plot, because I was never a giant Stephen King guy. So I come into a lot of these properties kind of new. Like I mm-hmm. don't really have much reference material. But this sounds awesome, and I, and I like the casting so far. So, I mean, it's not something that I would have paid attention to before it, I will say. And now that I've kind of been won over by that and they seem to have a good grasp on stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give a lot of other Stephen King stuff a try. That's fair. It's going to run into a lot of the roadblocks that all Stephen King adaptations have. Like even It Chapter 2 had issues with how do we reconcile with the giant turtle god and all of that (laughs) nonsense. Like it works in the book, but how well does it translate on screen? So something as massive as The Stand, which in theory could never be just one movie. Now you got to deal with that in a miniseries. I'll be interested to see what they do. Yeah. All right. So moving right along, here's one that's pretty much uh, like, I mean, this is a pretty fun thing for 90s kids like myself. Uh, Disney Plus is coming, and there's plenty to be excited about for that, like, already. Yeah. Uh, between the Marvel shows, the Star Wars shows, the movies, the original content that Disney's putting out, like, all that stuff we've been over. But it just keeps getting better. You know? Oh, I don't know. I think I have a hot take here, but I'm going to let you... Finish oh, introing. This okay. One. Uh, well, okay. hot take. <laughs> We're getting '90s anime, Marvel animated series coming to Disney Plus. Spider-Man, X-Men, Incredible Hulk, and Fantastic Four series. Uh, two of those were really official. Spider-Man and X-Men. Two of those you had to check your local listings and try to track down a lot. Also, they were, were terrible. Yeah, Fantastic Four series and Hulk <laughs> they were series. Terrible. They were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. But like, they were so bad in a good way. They were on like. UPN in my sit in Philadelphia, <laughs> and they were like partnered with the Phantom 2020 and like other ridiculous God, Phantom. Phantom 2020. Those animated shows were like the first MCU though. Because, yeah, kinda. Yeah, because you were getting guest spots happening. Yeah, Spider Man crossed over. There was an Iron like, Man yeah. show too, right? There was, oh, yeah, there was an Iron Man. I remember the most extra show. Ever. I remember actually liking that at the time. The, I actually the, liked the, the, Iron Man the song for Iron Man is like is one of the best because like all no, the Force Work stuff it. was part of that, right? Yep, Force Works is part of that. Oh, yeah, that's right, because Spider-Woman. So, like, yeah. (laughs) So they're coming back on Disney+, and, you know, that got a big woo-hoo for me, because I will, I mean, Spider-Man and X-Men and the X-Men animated series alone are just, you know, really fond pieces of my childhood. So I'm going to be excited to live those over again, but Jim is staring at me like... (laughs) I have a feeling that everyone's going to watch four episodes and then not care anymore. Of which one? Both? Any of them. See, I agree with you on Spider-Man, because I don't think Spider-Man well, ages well at didn't, all. Didn't Spider-Man end on a cliffhanger? X-Men has aged even worse. Than Spider-Man? Yeah. No. I don't know. X-Men didn't try all that 3D Both of them are still city great. modeling stuff. <laughs> Spider-Man's pretty weak when you go back and, and watch it, but X-Men still the, has the only thing great we episodes. Peter Parker's the thing hairstyle. I'm more excited for is, um, supposedly, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but Earth's Mightiest Heroes is supposed to be on there. Oh, okay. the, uh, and um, uh, the Avengers show that came after that one. But Avengers also, Assemble. Yeah, Avengers Assemble. But also a lot of the, like, the classic stuff is supposed to be on there, The too. real thing that needs to get on there is Spectacular Spider-Man. That's the best series. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say Darkwing Duck, and I was I don't know. <laughs> I think, <you> <laughs> crazy. I think Spider-Man the Animated Series was great. 
Uh, I did too at the time. I loved it. I just oh, I was upset. Like that is yeah. The, all of those were my key entry points into the yeah. Marvel universe. It made me total Marvel fan. But like, I'm not hating on those like at the time. I'm just saying if you're gonna go back and watch Venom them, Arc, I agree. Alice Cooper do the was song on Hulu for a while, a year or, like like two or so years ago. Oh, I, and I remember like watching some episodes, being like, God, I cannot get through these. I mean, it's different now. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very '90s and slightly still '80s. I think you're letting like, some nostalgia talk. No, I've I've watched it again. Like, I've actually sat down and taken a look at them again. They're I will say, funny. the is. voice acting is very funny. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot <laughs> yeah, of a lot very scary. bad voice acting. I used but, to uh, love. I love it. I used to love the. I still I still like the Colossus episode, um, with the accent. I still like mm. the Nightcrawler. But I thought they handled those really well. I still love that Iceman episode. Um, the rogue parts sometimes are hard for me now. <laughs> yeah, rogue and Jean Grey are annoying characters. Yeah, in, uh, yeah it's yeah. like, oh god, that voice is Scott. <laughs> Scott. Does <laughs> have Jean's whole dialogue, but I still like, love Beast. I want to watch these for the cheesy nostalgia factor. Like, I want to watch them and be like, oh man, like, oh man, or, or this is like what we were so into, man. At like, the I very least, see, seek out the Hobgoblin episodes because that's Mark Hamill doing that voice. And yeah, oh, yeah, oh right. man, no, Spider Man has a lot of great things. The villains, like how over the top all the villains are. One of my favorites, Peter Spider-Man Parker's hairstyle. Episodes, <laughs> it's the Punisher episode. I thought that was actually really well done. Yeah, that there's, did that there's really a well. lot of good ones, man. I love it. So I will be watching that. Disney Plus, I mean, I gotta kill time on Disney Plus all day long anyway, so there will be a slot for those. Is Darwin Duck confirmed yet or no? No, but I can't imagine they don't bring that back. Oh, that and Gargoyles. Yes. Yep. Keith David's ready. He's ready. Hey, Gargoyles. He Gargoyles has been confirmed though, right? Gargoyles uh, is officially part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will be watching that. If you guys want to get on these guys about their hot takes, you can hit them up. <laughs> because I'm going to say my love for Spider-Man, the animated series, and X-Men is, is rock solid. Those other two, I don't Honestly, know Honestly, the, the Hulk one is probably the one I'm the most excited for. What? I, what? I love that one. This is just a, gone from a hot take to a bad take. No, nope. Like, nope. the Hulk one, I loved so much. Okay. As long as you didn't say the Fantastic Four. Yeah, Fantastic no, Four no, nobody likes that one. <laughs> Moving right along. We're back for another installment today of Grenade, where Ooh. we toss a grenade in the room and we let it blow up. And today's grenade is a special one because this one is kind of like a specially customized bomb, I would say, for you, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Why? <laughs> because today's oh grenade is all about cardiac. Is it really? Yup. What? Yes, we have a very <laughs> special cardiac grenade for you, and it's right there with Mr. Jim Viscardi. So, friend of the show, Patrick at uh, Z's Comic Lair happened to get the first appearance of Cardiac <gasps> in, and the only Cardiac stand in the world <laughs> is on this podcast. Uh, I don't know if this is in my shop, but I'm going to put it there for people who are watching the video. Uh, and so, yeah, so we, so we sent it in for... Uh, for Mr. Matt. Wow, awesome. really? He's still the worst character in the world. <laughs> See? You don't know. Is it really? Is that really for me? <laughs> yeah, that's for you. Oh my god, I got the first beer of the cardiac. Yeah, I know. So that's today's grenade. It's not all bad kids, just so you don't think you start knowing what Thank grenades are all guys. about. Today's this is a surprise grenade for Matt. For a nice little possession. The first appearance of Spider-Man character cardiac, which one person in the world wanted. <laughs> to, to be fair. 
This, uh, so it's Amazing Spider-Man 344, which is also the first appearance of Cletus Cassidy. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So it's a bit of a twofer. Uh, Wait, at the end? Is that the issue before Carnage? Yep. Oh, man. And wow. so, uh, so it's not the first appearance of Carnage. Not no, just the first Carnage. Cast. Just Cletus Cass. Because then everyone would care about that issue. That's yeah. As opposed to just so, one person. So this, yeah, exactly. So this issue really, like, with Absolute Carnage running wild, everyone's like, oh, I gotta get that first appearance of Cletus Cass. And they're like, who's the other guy on the cover? Ooh, no one cares. Cardiac. So there you go. That's I'm today's so grenade. Excited. Thank Ooh. you, guys. Although the call Surprise. out is actually awesome. What does uh, uh, is he hero or villain? Introducing Cardiac. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> that design is sick. Look at the design. It is not. It is awesome. The blue and the white, and he's got look, the rod. Look. We uh, set off this grenade. You are happy. That's all I'm going to get as much as I'm investing in. A discussion of whether we're not going to do an actual grenade. He starts his own lab. Because he's that's, like not, doing like, that's a firecracker, not even a grenade. It's cardiac awesome. Like, it's just you fighting the world again. And it's, it's my we next, don't want you to go it's off my next the entire art. world. <laughs> so enjoy that, Matt. Thank uh, you, guys. Congratulations. Thank you, Matt has uh, congratulations you, in order in his life right now. So excited. Because he's got an issue of cardiac, and you're going to be a uh, dad to a little girl. So Yay! that's a big deal. So there you go, buddy. Look, There's something to uh, mark, the mile, mark the milestone of fatherhood. Better, cardiac. Better role models than cardiac. <laughs> this, is, this is probably fair. <laughs> yes, it's definitely true. All right, so that's a rare bit of nicety that we put into this show. Uh, don't get used to it. But when we get back, we are going to dive deep into the latest installment of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men relaunch, Powers of X number four, and Matt and Connor are gonna break down some wrestling for us for WWE's Clash of Champions. So stay tuned for that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so... We're back. We are now officially over halfway done with Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X X-Men relaunch event. Um, I've written an article on comicbook.com that basically has gathered up the biggest questions we have after 10 questions, the big 10 powers of 10 questions that we have uh, after reading this series. Because Hickman has done a lot of reveals, a lot of remixes, but he's also introduced a lot of things that are still mysteries. And we're coming down the back half of this series and uh, it's time to see if we can land this plane because we've had a great time reading it, breaking it down, talking about it in the office and on the show. Now, hopefully, we can just bring it home in satisfying fashion. And satisfying fashion. In this one, Powers of X4, it gets weird because it was very unexpected the way this shifts. And this is coming off of uh, the weird kind of helix shift we've done where we got two Powers of X issues, 
then two House of X issues, and now we're back to the alternating format each week. And it was kind of interesting to see what happened in those kind of continuing yeah. issues. Because Powers of X 2 and 3 really kind of wrapped up the story of the uh, future X-Men of the Man-Mutant-Machine Supremacy War timeline, and the reveal that that was all in Moira's ninth life. Then we got two issues of House of X in the tenth life, which saw the X-Men go on this mission to battle Mother Mold on the Orcus orbital base, and they completed their mission, but the X-Men team suffered horrific deaths, Cyclops, Jean Grey, you know, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, uh, Angel, Husk, M, all dead, major characters. And so Professor X made this proclamation at the end, no more, that seemed like a big deal. And then we were waiting with Powers of X to see what that kind of evolved into, but that's not what we got at all. No. <laughs> no. Um, and if you haven't figured it out, Powers of X really is kind of like, House of X is like the main drive of the story, but Powers of X is like the f larger framing of a mm -hmm. story. It's all the stuff Hickman couldn't put into one chart, so he like had to actually <laughs> create a second book. But uh, it reframes the story of House yeah. of X, and, and it's a, kind of like Memento. You learn new scenes that redefine what you're seeing in House of X. Um, so that's what we got, because, and that was like how it worked, right? We found out that the future thing was Moira's ninth timeline, or ninth, ninth lifetime. And so therefore the mission against Orcus and House of X became all the more important yep. because we knew all the sacrifice that literally lifetimes of sacrifice that had gone into it. And the X-Men kind of completing this mission to stop Mother Mold, prevent Nimrod from being created. Now we pull back again. And this issue of House of X, or Powers of X, Powers of, I keep saying Powers of 10, nobody's corrected me. Powers of, I've said Powers of X. You had it right. Oh, right. Powers of 10. So, there are three main scenes in this Powers of 10 4. One takes place in the years before the X-Men's creation, uh, and that's the big one, right? Like, mm -hmm. we see Charles Xavier and Magneto go and meet Mr. Sinister at a, Bar Sinister. A very fabulous Mr. Mr. Sinister. Sinister. Such yeah. a great Bar sequence. Sinister, first appearance of Secret Wars number two. So this is a Hickman doing a deep cut on his own. On he did his a own, lot of deep terms. cuts here. But yeah. this was, <laughs> I want to just see Hickman write more Sinister. More oh, my sinister God. Yes. Yeah, Mr. Sinister. Uh, it was or funny. Mr. Yeah, sinister Deadpool in this one, <laughs> yeah. really. Uh, yeah, so they go to meet Mr. Sinister, and the big thing is we find out that they made a secret pact. There's all these secret pacts that apparently have existed before X-Men, uh, according to Moira's plan, where, like, Xavier and Magneto were always working together. And now we find out they were always working with Sinister, but he was kind of a... He was a sleeper agent in, well, of sorts. Don't, don't, didn't we already know about his deal with Sinister? Because the, the history timeline was like, and then he betrays him, and then he yeah, we <laughs> knew how his life. We know how his life ends in one life. Yeah, that we, was the ninth timeline. Yeah, I believe. and okay. we know he betrayed them, and like that was where all the different creations he was making come from. Uh, but we didn't know like the context of like what that agreement was when things went wrong, why he, you know, decided, like, so, yeah, there's a lot of gaps. Yeah, there's a lot of gaps. And, like, like I said, this is what he, Hickman does. He gives you one thing and then, like, puts a shutter down over two others, like, while yeah. you're obsessed over the one thing. So we find out that they had a secret pact with Sinister to create this mutant DNA library. Um, that was the first scene in their whole conversation. And it's a great scene because <laughs> so this is an island full of Sinister clones. And, like, they have this weird society that they've made. This kingdom, it's like a royal court almost, except this very demented version of it run by multiple Mr. Sinisters. Who, like, there's a butler, Mr. Sinister, who doesn't give the guy who's talking to Xavier <laughs> Magneto, he never had a cape. He's all envious of Magneto's cape. So Execute good. him. Yeah, he's like, why did you ever tell me this? And he's like, oh, you know, it slipped my mind. And then he's just like, okay. 
execute this man. And then two other sinisters, like guards with swords, just come and hack that dude to pieces. And then a, and so then a sinister with a cape shows Yeah, that's up. the best part of it, too. Like, so then they're like, okay, what we basically want you to do is make this mutant library, but we don't want you to know that you're doing this until Charles Xavier like, makes you remember. And the guy's like, nah, I'm not messing with mutant genes. Like, I've been down that road. I hate it. And then he just gets <laughs> shot in the head. That sinister gets shot in the head by the sinister who has, like, the frilly cape that we know. Mm -hmm. The traditional sinister who's like, I'm the mutant sinister. And, like... I just love his initial reaction, which was, I will. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah, the guy's like, the chair's like, nah, man, I'm not doing that. And he gets shot in the head. And the other sinister's like, I will. And, he and he's like, yeah, man, tell me all about this plan. This sounds yeah. great. Um, and so, like, yeah. So we get that. But, of course, this is Hickman. And so we get that scene. But it, it's a major scene, even though it's played kind of silly and yeah. comedic. Uh, there's a whole Mr. Sinister Bar Sinister gossip letter that's like mm -hmm. a Wendy Williams-style blind item. So good. That is full of, and it's so stupid, but full of major clues, nonetheless, yeah. about big things that are happening that Mr. Sinister knows, secrets of the X-Men universe that we don't know yet, that he knows, and, you know, including, you think of the last references to himself, mm -hmm. yeah. being the mutant Sinister who talked to Xavier Magneto, knows more than he let them know that he knows... And it's just this whole sinister talking to sinister newsletter that's so good. really bizarre, but like full of secrets. So that was one big scene, um, and that has a lot of importance mm -hmm. because this well, is basically the framing of how these why Hickman was able to tell a story with yeah. the X Men horrifically dying. Uh, it goes back to House of X number one. The very first scene is is Xavier in this garden, this bioorganic garden full of pods, and they open and people that are clones of the X Men come crawling yeah. out. And he's like, to me, my X-Men. It was this really creepy scene. And we were all like, what does this mean? Yeah. And now this, like I said, Powers of Ten is the framing device that kind of doesn't tell you things directly, mm -hmm. but kind of shows you all the pieces you need to put it together for yourself. And, it, and this is clearly kind of a setup for Mr. Sinister having made this mutant library to basically be able to do what he did for the Marauders, is like bring back any mutant, mm -hmm. like yeah. at any time. Yeah. Um, which is going to be interesting how they implement that because... As I was talking to like Jamie and Rollin and other people around the office, it's like this is theoretically a way you could use to explain any X Men dying and being brought back mm -hmm. ever. Uh, it's also unclear like how this factors in the House of X in this timeline because uh, Xavier's been a creep this whole time, and we don't know why. But yeah. like if he's just killing off X Men and bringing them back again. That's a very drastic change to that character. I just uh, got I got a lot of satisfaction because I'd been sort of stumping the whole Sinister is behind a lot yeah. of this uh, idea since yeah. that first issue. And so seeing Sinister, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> but also, it would not surprise me if the Xavier that we see is a clone Xavier. Yeah. 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 That's what I, that's what I think, too. Like, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, this, the last blind item is really important because it suggests that He's known about Moira, these lifetimes, all this plan before they came to see him. Mm -hmm. And he's been playing, the, he's playing them. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's pretending to be the sheep, but he's really a wolf in that, yeah, he could be pulling some double cross. There's also the fact that there's an entire location in this Krakoa place called the No Place, which is a, one of the flowers grows, it's a black flower that grows essentially what's a tumor that's not connected to the rest of Krakoa, but is part of it and that's probably like a secret lab or yeah. layer where all these sinister experiments are taking place so we're going to get to see that so that was one scene the other important scene was of course cypher on krakoa and the whole history awesome. of how xavier mm -hmm. finally kind of bridged the gap with krakoa which was like this place he, you know cypher makes a great reference joke it's the place where mutants go to get murdered <laughs> <laughs> the entire team of x-men was lost on krakoa it was the mission where the original ones got captured in the all new X-Men had to come save them. Wolverine, yeah. Storm, Psych or uh, Colossus, Nightcrawler. 
were formed to save them from Krakoa. Yeah. And so Xavier made peace with Krakoa, and he takes Cypher there to kind of develop a language of how to... And this is in the past uh, months before House of X started. It's mm-hmm. about how they finally kind of made the symbiosis with Krakoa and then were able to create the Krakoa habitat uh, for mutants and make this nation. Um, but it's kind of ominous because... He's like one thing always leads to 50 other things in a Hickman story. And so in this one, we learn that Krakoa was once part of a, a half of two yeah, that was living land masses that split apart in the ancient world. And when they did, it was because the demons from the limbo had used the sword to cut them apart and to gain a portal into the earth. The demons overrun. And if you remember, this is all callback to X-Men's Inferno mm-hmm. invent, uh, which featured Mr. Sinister, Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, the Jean Grey clone, that whole thing. Um, oh, magic, like a whole bunch of stuff. So, hey, Kofi. Yeah, I know. The demons come out. They were repelled <laughs> by Apocalypse, who was apparently an ancient world hero, which was a big change to that character, and his four horsemen who were sealed away on this other half of Krakoa that they pushed through this portal. And that fits in because they've been teasing. Yeah, they've been teasing returns. them that they're yeah. returning. Sinister's teasing it. So well, all of that happens. To see if we, if we can actually see... Apocalypse's original four horsemen. Like that's what they keep. That's what they teasing, keep teasing. Right? They're all throughout know, this that's story. What I want to yeah. Now that's my question see. is: Is that something? Because that was teased in one thousand two. Is that something that they are teasing for this particular event, or is no, that something for Dawn of X when those titles roll out? And that's what I'm gonna get into. Come around to is that a lot of this is literally setting up the Other next era or, yeah. of of X Men, and it's just Hicksman remixing all the old and new in one pot. Yeah. And then he's going to put it all back out. Like, this Sinister stuff makes me... I cannot wait for the Hickman's core X-Men book, which is essentially all the Summers family. Like, this... Like, after... I was excited for that because, one, I'm just a mark for half those people. But now, though, when you have all the implications of, like, what Sinister knew, like, all that stuff... And there's you, another Summers brother teased. In yeah, this right. So yeah. you throw, you start throwing all that stuff, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I cannot wait for that book now. Yeah, Hickman and, made Cipher cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how do you make Cipher like, cool? So like, like Hickman is doing a lot of connecting the dots with yeah. a bunch of characters through a bunch of different books that he himself has written, and I think we what we may see here with Apocalypse is probably something that ties to st- stuff that he did in Shield. When Apocalypse is a member, like a kind of a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in, in that area. And so, like, yeah. that's now, like, one of the, the homework things that I'm doing for myself is to go back and reread those issues of S.H.I.E.L.D. to see if there's stuff there that may inevitably tie into into this. But I, I there's got to be that. something. So, so what yeah. you're saying is I should read every Marvel Hickman book. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, got it. Every Jamie time he was, releases a new issue, yeah. Jamie was lamenting. He's like, oh, "I got to go read Inferno now." <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's yeah." Much what happened? And so Cipher's in this, yes. So he makes a thing with Krakoa, and I think Cipher, and I'm going to be writing this up, is one of the most important characters in this story mm-hmm. um, because the story is all about technology versus biology and evolution and how it affects both, and he's kind of the centerpiece of being the meeting of biology and technology. Um, and, Especially and, for what happens next in the issue. Yeah. And like how he makes contact with Krakoa. And in this little panel that you would miss if, like, I mean, I was watching, I was reading in cinematic mode, so it's like highlighted, but if you were just looking at the page, you, you would read probably. read it that way too? Yeah. Because hey. uh, <laughs> it gets, I mean, it really does put you up in the art and, and highlights things you would otherwise skip over with your eyes, which is like 
Cypher going through cocoa and touching leaves, which are then being affected by the techno-organic yeah. virus, which is a, such a tiny moment, but so very important to the story. And oh, if you go back through now. all of these Look books and every see? cipher scene, every cipher scene is something crucial. Like yeah. if you go back and look at them. So I'm really, and I think at the end of this, and so the final scene of this book is the future again, the distant a thousand year future of the librarian with the phalanx. And I think is now Moira's 10th lifetime because they're, they're, in that future, there's a mutant DNA library that we thought came from Nimrod in the future war, but now seems like it came from Sinister's mutant library that's been existed for a thousand years and so there the big reveal in that scene is that they want to do this ascension thing with the phalanx but they can't just be absorbed because the phalanx don't absorb bio bio material they only absorb techno material mm -hmm. and so they're using this scheme one of the elders that's there with the librarian uh converted their consciousness into this orb which is then into the absorbed in the phalanx but the consciousness still retains its identity so there's something that they're trying to do with taking like yeah well because on. isn't that that's that's Nimrod that's a creation of I thought that's what that was what Nimrod the actual object no was that Nimrod. was that's that not orb is separate yeah from separate, the little it's not robot. The Nimrod. separate from Nimrod. okay yeah gotcha. no 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 that was just an orb they created to basically convert bio consciousness into yeah. techno forms to okay be mm -hmm. absorbed gotcha they're trying to find a way around this so that they can be part of the phalanx, but also retain their individuality, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we don't know what this is, but I feel like this is all going to culminate in learning some kind of next sort of existence level. Well, this uh, fits with what Destiny tells Moira earlier when she says, you'll get your 11th if you make the right choice. Yeah. I feel like when they end this book on, well, now we just have to see if they accept it, right? That They've made all the choices they can They've tried to do everything exactly right. Now it's up to them to see if like they'll accept this. And at that point, I think that's what kickstarts the eleventh life. Yeah. If if they accept it, right? So I mean, it it ties in to earlier stuff. Man, yeah. This is mind blowing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. That's a simple issue that <laughs> still raises so many questions and boggles the mind. <laughs> we can't wait to see what's going to happen in House of X five next week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean. This has to ha answer what happened to the X-Men and possibly a major reveal about what's really going on on Krakoa, who Xavier is, who these pod people are, what Sinister's up to in the present day 10th timeline and all of that, which, like I said, this is going to, we're at the point now where we're going to see if Hickman can truly bring this home. All right. Got now, faith. Got faith. I have faith too. And this is one of the most exciting events in comics I've read in years and definitely yeah. one of the most exciting X-Men story I've read in like half a decade. So I'm enjoying it. All right, that's down. That's it for me. But you guys got to take us home by telling us what's going to be hot at WWE's what? Damn Clash of Champions. What my, was it? It was that? like a half shimmy, half kind of. Well, wait. It looked like you oh, were grinding on somebody. Wait for it. That was horrific. It, it was horrific. Right just did a. My did. goodness. Anyway, what's going on at WWE's <laughs> Clash of Champions? Connor, Matt, take us through it. <laughs> w uh, can we say what Kofi labeled it in his notes? Go for it. Champ was it what'd you call it? Champy thingy? Champions thingy, yeah. <laughs> WWE Champions thingy. It's taking place this Sunday in Charlotte, North Carolina on pay-per-view and WWE Network. Yeah. Matt, this is our first pay-per-view venture since SummerSlam. God, is it been uh, really? Yeah, it's it's been about a minute. And TV's kinda sucked, but the card looks great, which has kind of been the story of WWE all year. 
Uh, we well, usually it's do hard to screw this one up. It really is. We've we've done this pretty much with every show. What's your pick of the pick of the show? What's the match of the night? Um, oh, I gotta say, uh, Braun and Seth. I gotta say that's the one I'm probably looking. That's the one I am personally looking forward to the most. I mean, yes, you obviously know Becky Sasha is like right, right beneath I'm it. I'm surprised right there. you're not because that one has a story behind it. It does, but here's the thing: I totally wrote off. Rollins and Lesnar. We all And do. then they produced a fantastic match with little to no story. It was just they told the story in the ring and they did it very well. Seth and Strowman, I think, could be one of those like they do it again. And this has little to no setup other than the fact. But they'll tell the story in the tag. They'll so see, here's my here's my issue with that yeah. match. And we talk, I wrote about this in the preview. My fear is that we're going to get late into the show and they're going to do the Raw tag title match mm -hmm. where Seth and Braun have to defend their titles yeah. and then turn right around and have the match. And my fear of what's going to happen is Braun is going to turn on Seth at some point, hit him with a power slam and let Bobby or Dolph pin him yeah. so they lose the tag titles. And then Michael Cole gets on the mic and goes, how will Seth overcome the odds? And then he does. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. And then we, don't, <laughs> and then we just move the heck on. And Braun turns heel again, and the Big Show comparisons start popping up because yeah. this is like the third time in yeah. a year and a half. And the heel run did not work last year. It sucked all the momentum yeah. that Braun had going right out of him. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So and if they do I, that, we'll be disappointed. I really don't want that. But I'm afraid that's the easiest route they can go with this. True. If they, if they want to try just a little bit harder and go, you know what? Braun's still a good guy, but he is going to try and beat the living yeah. hell out of Seth now. Which, that's fun. Which I think you can, like, that's not you can hard get away to with do. Yeah, yeah, like, you can do that. Es and especially they when we know who's waiting in the wings. Yeah, I, I think if they do what that, I mean, do you, you think they will do the other? My, I'm just hoping okay. that they go that route. If they go the other, then I will be upset. I will be disappointed. because no, that, I, I'm hoping that they go the route of Braun. Doesn't win, but he's not a joke. Yeah, yet. but I don't want them to turn him. Yes. Like, just because that's easy and that's a little lazy. Yeah. But uh, if they do that, I will be disappointed. I mean, Becky and Sasha, I am looking forward to in a huge way. I just, I don't want to be caught on the thing of, like, I, I just, when I was looking at the card, that that match immediately stuck out to me. and go, that could be awesome. Yeah. That could be great. They, they have the same type of contrasting styles, and they can do, like, Braun has come so far in the last two years, right? Yeah. They could do some great stuff together. So that's the one I'm, I'm most excited I'm about. I'm going to please the Legion of Kofis here and say I think it's Kofi Randy. I feel like the match at SummerSlam they were holding back because what? They, they knew they had... No, the ending of that match sucked. <laughs> the whole the match sucks. Of, <laughs> the ending of the SummerSlam match sucked. And I felt like it was because they were holding back because they go, yeah, we got to do this for at least another month. Ooh. I think this is the payoff. I think okay. this is the one where Kofi finally goes, no, Randy, you're stupid. Then he beats him. Okay, because he keeps I, calling him stupid. And I just, uh, I don't know. They, they didn't, uh, they didn't wow me last time. Yeah, and it didn't. Now I will, I do like the revival. Like I like what they've done to the storyline parts in mm -hmm. between. I just not looking forward to another match between those two. All right, one other big question I have for you, and Jim, I, I want your take on this too. In between this Sunday and the next pay per view in Hell in a Cell, we have NXT moving to mm -hmm. USA. USA. We have SmackDown moving to Fox. A lot of they're going to be promoting the hell out of all these shows up through that. By the time we get to Hell in a Cell, who is Universal Champion and who is WWE Champion? Who's Universal? I don't know. Is it is it still Seth and it's Seth versus Bray? 
Seth versus Bray? Because Wyatt said he's challenging the winner at Hell in a Cell. In that case, it's probably going to be Braun. That would be great. Because Braun is a former Wyatt family member. And yeah, there's a lot they, of play off that, yeah. And if they keep him not heel, mm-hmm. he can go into that as he a baby face and you have a true matchup. I wasn't going to say that before, but I'm totally going with that because he won me up. <laughs> going with that. That's not a bad that sounds idea. great. On SmackDown, it could, I mean, they'll it, find some way to put it back on Roman. I'm afraid of a certain beast popping back up on that first episode of SmackDown and going, hey, I want that title, Kofi. I, dude, to put Brock to put Brock Lesnar back on like primetime network TV, I'm not opposed to it. I, he needs to wrestle. In, on a no. Fox episode, though. It can't just be yeah, I don't, show up, F5, yeah, leave. I don't want any more of those. If he's got to come back for a run, come back for a run. Yeah. Like, show up back-to-back weeks one time would be nice. Like, don't just have Paul come out and do a... The real... Run. I think the question that we kind of are overlooking here is, will Bailey help Sasha, and will Sasha help Bailey? Oh. I... I I don't think resulting is, in the both of them being champion. I do think they're both champion, but I don't think it's help is so much it is just Sasha beats Becky. See, I think they'll help each other in some form or fashion. Because you can't see your girl losing clean, can you? No, well, no, no. But, you know, but, but, oh, he's already he's already but, been on but, me today, but, and he's yeah, right? sour because they're, Becky torched Bailey on I'm social not media. Sour. You're she's a little just being, sour. But she's just being petty. Gonna, they're both going to. I mean, it's not like one's there not one petty, night, one's there great. the other night. Like, they will be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah. their whole thing this far has been helping each other out. Yeah. Sasha even teased the the hug connection thing on on social media. And was I like, really hey, like to see for like when Bailey comes out, like when her huggers sort of go up in the yeah. air and have them just immediately deflate, like yeah. as just like a heel move type thing. Or if she just pulls out like a little like pin and just goes, <laughs> yeah, or just a knife and just you know how you said thing. where your thing of like, oh, I think they'll do the easy thing with Braun. Yeah, they'll do the easy thing here for me. That's where I come from. So I see them finding some way to help each other out. That's just a go-to move, right? Yeah. And not even just WWE, like NXT, like in their NXT stuff. Those they are, did it, but those are heel moves. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying, and like, I'm, I'm I think the that. opportunity is just too rich there to have them both help each other out and the night. My question is, champions. But, but, but then the, the thing that that I don't really get is, I don't know if you go into SmackDown debuting on Fox with Bailey as your champion. That's a good point, but then there's also talk of the draft and Becky's That's already true. being advertised for SmackDown, yeah. even though she's on Raw. There's a big indication that people are going to get moved. Becky's going to wind up on SmackDown. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't think, I think. So if you had told me this six months ago, I would have questioned that. But Bailey having that is. Oh, now we're going down a real dark spiral. We probably should wrap this up soon. But if Bailey helps Sasha Mm -hmm. and then Becky goes to SmackDown, then you immediately have a feud with Becky and Bailey to kick off Fox. And that's great. Right, that could work. No, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see. Well, that. I, oh, I want to see that. I think this all leads to a four horsewomen fatal four way at WrestleMania. I know one thing I don't want to see. I don't want to see Charlotte get the belt again. We've gone like it's we've got. No, it's not. It's been never. She, it's not been too long. They got to get her to sixteen <laughs> somehow. They will. She will get the belt again at some point, and she's fantastic. I'm not. That's not any disparaging comments towards Charlotte because she's great. Have Bailey, have it. Because your feet, Bailey has some momentum that she she's wanted forever. Why would you take it away from her? I right can now? also see Becky winning at night one on SmackDown because she was also the first SmackDown Women's Champion. That's true. They could also and do that too. Who better just, to have her beat her win it from than Charlotte? 
I agree. I agree that there's ways <laughs> to see thing it. Is just I just think uh, to take it off of Bailey so soon because she hasn't had the belt that long. I know it kind of feels like it, but it really hasn't been that long. And she's the first time in so long she has momentum. Yeah. Don't take the belt. That's true. I mean, That's she, don't That's take the belt from her. Is that? Do we have anything else? Is that, uh, that is all. It's just I'm expecting a really good show this Sunday. Awesome. That's all it. Right. Yeah. Shinsuke so, Miz is going to be the sleeper match. Enough from you. To wrap this it's gonna up, be good. So none good. of this matters. We'll be back to see which one of you is right awesome. next week when this is all played out. <laughs> none of this matters. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just getting into the show, we post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to an RSS feed and get regular updates about the show or you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or tell any Amazon Alexa device, fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will start playing. You can continue the discussion with us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. At Connor Casey underscore CB. If you like the show, be sure to go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review because we read reviews on air semi-regularly. And if we read yours, we send you guys a Comic Book Nation t-shirt like the one I'm sporting here. It's awesome. It's advertising. It works both ways. And uh, today we're going to read a couple because <gasps> we've gotten all our shirts out. So it's time to get a few more out. And so here are a couple of reviews that we're going to go through really quick. If yours is red, make sure you email me at editor at comicbook.com. Yep. Just putting it I'm not going to give out your personal information again. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at editor at comicbook.com. That's the one. Whatever he said. Uh, hit up Jim. Leave him your real name, your yes. address, and your shirt size. We need those three pieces of information. So first one is you need to listen to this one by Jeff L. Hartley. Uh, been listening since the first week, and this podcast has never let me down. You don't have to be a comic book nerd to enjoy this, and it helps to keep me up to date on many different entertainment options. Kofi and Matt and the rotating cast for the third chair are a great team. Thank you, bud. The next one is CJ Master by Johnny FNAF. I don't know if that means Johnny Fan AF or what it means, but okay. Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, okay. Good job. What? That, what is that? It's a game. Five it's a Nights at Freddy's? Remember it's the evil no. Chuck E. Cheese thing. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm learning something That'd new. be right up your alley. Mm -hmm. My new favorite day of the week is Wednesday and Friday, thanks to you guys. I cannot wait till I get out of work and listen to your podcast on the way home. It's like I'm talking with my friends about the world of pop, geek, whatever. Everything from comics to movies to TV to wrestling, which I suddenly am into, I am into again. Love the different guests and occasional extra episodes. Thank you so much for making my commute easy a couple days a week. For those watching the video, you guys both both of you missed a perfect opportunity to do too sweet instead of I almost did and I can't do bump. that. We lose all, all our right, cool put a cap on this wrestling crap. Let's go. <laughs> Don't let the name deceive you. By C Payne883. This is a must listen for anyone, especially for any nerd, geek, movie goer, Disney lover, gamer, TV show connoisseur, WWE fan, and a lot of other things. Dang. I love this show. The hosts make you feel like you are a part of the team and you are among friends while discussing a variety of topics. They discuss and review, as well as spoil, beware, a lot from an assortment of different perspectives <laughs> and isn't limited to a single viewpoint. I express how highly I recommend a must listen. All right, so thank you for those kind reviews. We really do appreciate you guys showing love on uh, those reviews. And so that's why we send you the T-shirts. Great. So if you heard your review, just read, be sure to hit up Jim at editor at comicbook.com. Real name, shirt size, address. We're going to get it out to you. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you for tuning in with us, and we'll see you guys next episode. Peace. Deuces. Later.